Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Marquita L. on with us, and she is a, a health and wellness coach, and so I'm super excited to have you on today, Marquita. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here, and I can't wait to chat with you. Yes. So I would love for um, you to share with us a little bit about your own wellness journey and um, maybe how it's evolved throughout the years. Oh, yes, absolutely. So um, I would say that my wellness journey began um, over 15 years ago, really. My interest and curiosity, even further back than that, probably during my college years, uh, which was when I became a lot more interested in health history, family history, and things of that nature, uh, following the death of one of my grandparents, my maternal grandmother, uh, I just became a little more interested in a lot of the the what's and the why's regarding health in general. Um, And that was just kind of curiosity. But moving into adulthood, it was always in the back of my mind. And it really jumped to the front right around 2005. And so I just decided at that point that the road I wanted to take was more fitness centered. And so from there, I went into personal fitness training, became a fitness nutrition coach. And over the years while training my client base, I just started to really pay attention to what needs they had beyond weight loss and beyond weight training. And that kind of developed into other areas that I wanted to really put focus and interest into, which was stress management. And that kind of grew into other areas. And over this past two to three years, I've really centrally focused on a holistic approach to treating my clients more so because they needed those areas. And I felt like it was my duty to really meet them there. So I guess I would say over the past 15 15 to 20 years, I've really been growing, evolving, and I still am, actually. I think this is one of those industries, and I'm sure you will agree, that is unending in regard to our quest for knowledge building and just gaining more understanding of how we can meet our clients' needs. Yeah. And my journey is very similar to yours. Um, also started in personal training and did that for many years. And this is kind of my next question to you, because I do find this fascinating. You saw kind of the same thing I was seeing with, um, helping clients. So I agreed. I think I saw it on your website was, um, something about, you know, you just realized a workout just wasn't cutting it anymore. You know, giving people the workout, there was just something underneath to really get to some of the root of, um, you know, actually helping people with the health. So I would love for you to kind of expand further on that um, and your own shift into diving into kind of the same field, but it, it, it's slightly shifted different, um, I mm-hmm. guess, is how I kind of see it. And Absolutely. probably you as well. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I would say when we, when we think about, when we think about fitness from the fitness industry standpoint, at least in my own personal experience, we have foundations that we center our programs around in the gym setting. And those foundations are typically focused on what we're doing with the body. And while we were hitting those areas and I was seeing that my clients were successful in those areas, the sustainability 
just wasn't at the rate that I really knew that it could be. And I had to really ask myself, what is really keeping my clients from sustaining a lot of the results that they're seeing within their three or six month programs or even up to a year? And I actually started doing surveys with clients. So I would, um, I created surveys through I believe it was like SurveyMonkey or something like that, like just an online um, survey builder. And I would just ask questions and they were all anonymous. But at the end of our program together, I would just send out in bulk um, because I had a whole community of clients in a group. Um, And I would just invite them to answer the questions and give me feedback. And most of the feedback that I got regarding certain questions specific to what's been the most difficult for you in regard to maintaining your uh, results, most of them were replying back with stress, whether it was at work, whether it was at home, just not being able to balance life. And that's when I really knew, like, this is an area that I'm going to really have to sit in and I'm going to have to figure out how do I make this a program that not only gets you to your goal, but keeps you to your goal. And that was the point where I decided, you know what, I think it's time now for me to expand beyond what I'm doing in the gym setting and really create a space that my clients will thrive in the long term. Yeah, I love that. I had a conversation with one of my friends who is also a trainer um, now a few years ago. And we were chatting about, you know, just the fitness industry and how many billions of dollars it is. And, you know, we both were saying, you know, wow, at it as a whole, the fitness community really is failing people, you know, because we are not getting, as you were saying, the sustainable results, you know, people might get it, but then it will fall back into old habits. And so, you know, that was where both of us were like, something's just off, you know, just trying to dig into the roots of it. And, you know, it is a whole big industry to kind of reroute, but I love that you kind of saw that and took the initiative, you know, in your regards and stepping into being like, okay, stress is something that's, you know, causing my clients some issues. And especially these last few years, I think this is a topic that is um, something that we could start to address, you know, in today's episode, but let's kind of dive into that with stress management. How have you kind of um, dealt with it in particular, these last few years with stress really being kind of the mainstay, it seems. So interestingly enough, the incorporation of stress into my programming was actually one of the most difficult because most people don't realize how much they stress and how impactful stress is to our everyday lives. So what I actually learned throughout the process was just how easily and how often clients have been suppressing their stress. And it took a while for us to actually get to a space where they became more aware of their stress. So I kind of took it in steps. We first had to start out with stress awareness. And once we became aware of stress, then we t- the next step was really paying attention to how that stress looks on a day-to-day basis. So now they're logging their stressors throughout the day. So now we're getting to know what stress looks like And we're also building a healthy relationship with stress because now we know the word stress doesn't mean you don't have your life together. Mm -hmm. Stress is in every space that we occupy in sickness and in health, good or bad, stress lives there. 
So what we're now doing is just reframing the conversation around stress so that they're more open and more vulnerable to having the conversations about stress, learning what types of protections we can put in place so that we are looking at a healthier heart, we're looking at longevity, and we're looking at sustainability. So stress has really become the central focus within my program, even even, um, more so than diet, exercise, and every other aspect. I'm now leading our conversations with stress and it becomes the domino effect that gets us to our finish line. I have a question about with stress. So I've had this only a few times where I sometimes have um, people that I work with who don't realize, um, you know, like I told them like traveling, she traveled a lot for work and I'm like, that is stressful on the body. And, you know, she's like, nope, I'm not stressed at all. And I can see it from the outside. I'm like, oh, those are all little stressors that add up. Is there a way that you can kind of um, maybe even teach people who might be like, oh, I didn't even realize like, you know, travel is stressful, Um, you know, having an intense job that can be stressful, even though you might not feel it, I think in the way that the media portrays stress, is there ways that you kind of break down those walls for people? Yes, absolutely. So um, we break down stress into every system of the body. So the, the most important aspect of us really discussing stress is really knowing that it lives everywhere and how we respond to stress is how most people have determined whether or not they stress. Yes. So it's kind of the, well, no, I'm not stressed out. No, I'm pretty good. Or no, that I'm not going to let that stress me out. Like that phrase that says, you know, I'm not going to let that stress me out. Um, it, it implies that we're in control of our stressors and we've kind of grown conditioned to behaving in a way that suggests we're not stressed. And that in turn creates the internalized effect and impact of stress on our body, on our joints, on our mind, on our systems. And so that's why we start with stress awareness because it is the most difficult space where it's like, If I ask a client on our first session, how often do you stress? The list is much shorter than it is a month later after they've been logging stressors. It goes from four to, you know, 40 because now they're saying, oh, okay, I'm not just grading my stress on a scale of one to 10 and anything above eight, I consider to be stressed. Now I'm paying attention to anything that impacts my body And now I'm getting a better understanding of how even the small stressors can become a long-term issue if we're not paying attention to it. That makes total sense. And I think that's the, I mean, that is the key, that awareness and just kind of the realization like, oh yeah, okay, this is what these little things do to our body over time. Um, I always like to talk about menstrual health and I'm like, you know, that, you know, the menstrual cycle is that fifth vital sign. And that can be seen too. stressors can be seen in that, uh, in the menstrual cycle and just teaching people those tools, I think are the, the biggest thing to people having that awareness. Oh, absolutely. And especially like you said, with the menstrual cycle, um, the menstrual cycle being in menopause or perimenopause, just all of those areas together are, are really, um, important right now, especially for women's health, because we, we know as women that 
And I would say for my clients in particular, most of them really didn't have much of an understanding on their bodies as women. So when we start really talking about, you know, menstrual cycles and menopause and how we're stressing, it really is like a ground up situation where it's like, we're really taking it to a step one. You might be 52, but you still may have never actually had a a foundation built on, you know, your menstrual cycle, menstrual health, or just things that relate specifically to women. Yeah. We're not necessarily even, I know I wasn't taught about it in school at all, you know, just besides your basic class and people kind of breeze over it. So it's something that I think a lot of people are starting to relearn or just kind of get exposure to and are interested in. That, well, that's exactly it. And I think for, for women, especially it goes even beyond interest. When we, when we look at just the importance of understanding and learning our body from a space of literacy, um, and, and recognizing when something's not right in the body, when something feels off, when we need to go have something checked out, just those things that really start at, you know, you can say age eight or nine years old and just growing comfortable first in our skin. And of course, from a societal standpoint, um, we've always had a culture that has policed women's bodies and that has kind of told women how to present themselves in public or private. And so we've, we've not really had spaces where we felt safe enough or where we felt we could really enter without judgment and just talk open and freely or even ask questions to our doctors. I mean, I have clients who hadn't even asked personal questions with their doctors just because of the stigma around womanhood and sexuality. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually just recently went to the doctor uh, yesterday and I had just mentioned, I was like, yeah, my cycle went really long this last time. So I know my body is stressed out and, you know, is sick. And it was interesting to me because the doctor didn't necessarily have, and this isn't my regular one. I just was, you know, popping into like a minute clinic, a reaction. Like I thought like a, she might've would have had, you know, like, okay, mm-hmm. wow, that, that is long. Like that's like five days longer than normal for you. Like that's, that is intent. Like I should be looking into some other things with your health. Um, and so for me, I'm like, I know enough that I would advocate for myself if I was really concerned about this. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to my regular doctor and, you know, get this checked out if this continues. And I think sometimes that's, um, you know, if you are met with that reaction for the first time and you're sharing something like this, you, you kind of feel defeated, you know, like if you mm-hmm. had experienced that way. And so, you know, just a reminder too, if people have those experiences or shared and didn't feel heard, you know, finding a different doctor, you know, I always recommend, Hey, go out and get a second, third opinion, find someone that Mm -hmm. really resonates with you. That, yeah, that's exactly it. And the word that you used and that you were thankfully able to advocate for yourself. And the reality is that for most women, the advocacy and empowerment is the area that has been missing for so long. And when we have, you know, people like us in the health and wellness industry who are able to empower other women with the knowledge and tools to recognize when it's necessary to be your own advocate, when it's necessary to speak up without feeling like you're being rude or you're overstepping a line 
when it comes to your health, you always get to second guess or get a second opinion or sleep on it or just anything that gives you more security in knowing that whatever step needs to be taken is the right step. And so finding our voice in the healthcare system, in the doctor's office, is really a, a bigger hurdle than I think most people realize because we've been conditioned for so long to either suppress our symptoms or minimize our symptoms or not ask questions while we're in the doctor's office. Yes, yes. Well, I would love to know kind of on that same um, sphere with advocating for yourself. So in the wellness space, you know, what areas, because obviously I'm a, you know, white female, are we missing, you know, as white women when it pertains to black women's health? So uh, thank you for asking that question. Much of my programming is specific to meeting the health needs of black women. And as I always say, if the needs of the black women are met, that means everyone's needs are met. Uh, speaking from the healthcare space, uh, the disparities that have existed for you know years and years in regard to race and gender have negatively and disproportionately impacted the black woman more so than any other group. And for that reason, we're finding ourselves less likely to get treated in the ways that we need to, less likely to have resources that speak to our unique needs in those spaces. And so the underrepresentation of those needs is what leaves the gap between where we are in the health and wellness industry and the health and wellness space and where we ultimately could be once we're able to broaden that gap by really taking a better look, a deeper dive into a lot of those spaces that disproportionately impact the Black woman and trickle into the household. Um, when we look at our universal stressors, just as women, our stressors are typically the same. You know, we worry about our family, our children. Um, we worry about just being women in general. We worry about our safety. We worry about, you know, on the job, um, you know, equal pay and representation in the workforce, things like that. Now, the next layer is as a as a black woman, how are those things also impacting your life and your body on top of what's already there? And that's where racism, that's where sexism, that's where mass incarceration is going to disproportionately affect black men, which means as a black woman, you're now carrying the weight of a spouse or a son or a brother. Then we have the school to prison pipeline that disproportionately impacts young black children. And so now as a black woman, you're holding the burdens of your child and wanting to make sure that they're getting equal representation and they're getting the proper care and education that they need in school systems that oftentimes are under-resourced specifically due to redlining that puts um, black people into certain areas that just lack the funding from other spaces. And so when we look at all of those things together and say, oh, wow, okay, I get it. It's a web of disproportionate issues that really speak primarily to the Black woman. And so from a health and wellness space, recognizing those areas along the way is really the only way to fully tend to 
those health needs. And I can see that would be where that, that stress comes into play because that's mm-hmm. all, those are all stressors. Those are all hidden Absolutely. stressors that are there every single day. Absolutely. Mm. Is there any way, um, you know, that me, you know, or anyone listening, if they're, you know, white female or male, is there any way that we can help, you know, put stuff in our own programs or work with clients in a way that really, um, you know, even if we just acknowledge and just say, Hey, this, you know, we see this because I don't, obviously we are not walking in, um, you know, any, you know, your shoes or anyone else's shoes. And so is there a way for us to kind of implement something in a, a way that would benefit people of color? Oh, absolutely. Um, I would say really most importantly is education, um, really digging deeper into the needs of your clients and recognizing that everyone doesn't have the same specific needs. Um, it's, you know, for example, we know that most doctors are male, but we also know those male doctors have to treat female patients. And so the same responsibility that a male doctor would have to dive deeper into the needs of a female patient um, would be the same in regard to any other area where you're servicing groups that are outside of your own. It would then just come down to your own um, your own willingness to want to know more, to want to dive deeper and to take those steps to really learn and educate yourself on the systems that I mentioned and really understanding how those systems translate into the chronic stressors that that particular group of people would be experiencing. Hmm. Yes, those are, I mean, and there's some great resources out there if people are interested. I mean, just, you can even Google, I've no, I've done a ton and, you know, and just talking, talking with people, talking with your friends, um, you know, just having these conversations. I think that's mass. I mean, it's huge. It's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Talking most importantly, I think, um, communication is, is, is one thing that if we, if we talked more, opened up conversations, um, you have more trust where you have more talking, um, when, where, where there's not a conversation, it leads you to almost draw a worst case scenario in a sense, if I could use an example, it's like, you know, going into your doctor's office and you may have a male doctor and you come in and you express having some type of imbalance in your body and your doctor just kind of nods and writes something down on a clipboard. When you leave, you might question whether or not your doctor understood where you were coming from as a woman, or if your doctor was just nodding his head in agreement and just kind of checking off a box. Well, that's the same thing that we as Black women experience um, on a regular basis, specifically in health and wellness spaces, is the questions that aren't being asked are going to uh, kind of lead you into a space of wondering whether or not this is a person that I can trust with my full self or with the worst parts of me or with the areas that I'm truly struggling with. And that's the space that we really see change is when you feel like, wow, you know what? When I mentioned that to my male doctor, he actually asked me three follow-up questions that really seemed like he cared or really seemed like he was curious about wanting to find out more. He 
actually said he would call or he would look into it or he would do a bit of research. And that for us feels like advocacy when we know like, wow, okay, my doctor's not a woman, but he also knows that the responsibility that he has in this role is for him to really understand who I am and, and what my needs are. And so we would, we would share that same thing and just being able to talk, being open and, and being honest, even, you know, letting them know, hey, I might not have all the answers, but I'm certainly willing to do the work in understanding and just gaining more knowledge on what it is that I can do to assist and help you along the way. Hmm. I love that. And, and uncomfortable conversations. I mean, and they're, they're going to happen. And I, we had, we kind of pushed one of our um, yoga studios. They had, she had on um, one of our cohorts and came on and led a dialogue and discussion. And I think sometimes that can play a role too. Like we might have, you know, more power if we advocate, you know, the places that we go to say, Hey, this is something that we want to incorporate into our studies or into what we're doing. Like, let's Mm -hmm. make this happen. Let's have these conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And you said it, it's like, nobody knows better about the needs of a woman than a woman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of the spaces that we occupy weren't necessarily created or led by women. Mm-hmm. So where we have gaps, it definitely becomes our responsibility to um, not only find our voice in ways that benefit us, but just find our voice in ways that benefit the collective in regard to womanhood, whether that means um, women who are of the same race or women who are of the same age bracket. You know, I myself being a woman in my 30s, I've spent most of my career, you know, in my 20s and 30s working primarily with clients who were really from 40 to 80 years old. So I've always instinctively had a desire to learn about who my clients were beyond womanhood. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're a client who is retired, it became my responsibility to understand what healthcare means for a person over 60, understand where the disparities are for a person, you know, over 70, things that they might necessarily not feel comfortable sharing because I'm a person who's 20 or 30. So they might not initially even feel like I would care, but I took those obligations on because I care beyond womanhood. I care about the type of woman you are. And so I would dive into those spaces, even social security, just areas that would directly impact how my clients would stress when they left my space. Hmm. I think that's key. I mean, a lot of it, I've worked with um, the 65 to I think 96 was the oldest population for 12 years, you know, I lead a, an exercise class and yoga class. And I can tell, cause I've taken some trainings and I'm like, okay, I, they don't work with this population. You know, if I've actually like even commented, I'm like, this would actually not fly for this age group. And it was supposed to be for like a 60 plus. And I'm like, there, a lot of them can't do this, but we're, what you're teaching me how to teach them Um, and so sometimes you can kind of see too, like, okay, are you really steeped into what you're teaching? And then, you know, 
that curiosity. And I think there's some missing gaps there too. in that, in the wellness space, from what I've seen of just like, okay, like, are we, are we hitting all the buckets, you know, here, are we actually Mm -hmm. doing the work that we should be, or are we stepping uh, above our reach if we're not really vested into maybe a group? Well, you said it, that's exactly it. And, and, and that's most spaces. Uh, when we look at, you know, healthcare, when we look at the workplace, when we look at even just, you know, from a societal standpoint, the, the, the home, you know, just the expectations and, and roles that are attached to gender and womanhood, um, most spaces that speak to the woman don't necessarily speak to the unique uh, varieties of womanhood in that the word woman isn't a one size fits all. And so it becomes our responsibility to really dissect that word so that we're meeting the needs of everyone who shows up. And that right now is, you know, it's kind of on a case by case, like you said, it's like where you recognize the need, you fill that gap as it relates to your clients and If you're, you know, if you have the ability, you know, if you feel empowered enough to advocate uh, on a larger scale in in regard to changing programs or implementing, you know, classes or variations or just, you know, anything that really helps to more meet those needs, I think that's what's going to bring us closer to where we have to be um, ultimately uh, when we look at just tending to our clients. Yeah. Okay. I just have a few, like I have one area that I really want to talk to you about, and it's kind of nothing like that we've been talking about right now, but I did see, because I'm trying to, you know, keep most interviews around 30 minutes. Um, you have an apothecary on your website and I, I'm love making plant medicine and love exploring and, you know, making teas and making balms and all of the things. So I would love for you to share a little bit about your own apothecary and, um, how it came to be, and then creating teas and how that's part of your business. Oh, yes, absolutely. So um, plant medicine has, you know, I, I would say it's probably been a part of everyone's life in some way, whether or not they knew it. Um, you know, traditionally, plant medicine was here before any other medicine. And with the evolvement, with the evolvement of Uh, the pharmaceutical industry, especially here in the U.S., a lot of other areas still primarily focus on plant medicine. And and you can see how it's benefited the health of other uh, regions outside of the U.S. where we are, uh, we're, we're, we're really sick as a nation. Um, But when our pharmaceutical industries really started to boom, it kind of replaced the need for plant medicine in a sense. It became an either or when ultimately it's always been a space that was big enough for both. Plant medicine really allows you as a person to remain empowered and remain in control of your body and your health but also recognizing the importance of utilizing the the pharmaceutical industry as needed. But a lot of the, as they used to call them, home remedies. Um, I I remember back in the day, there would be little books and, you know, that, you know, you could pick up and it's like, oh, if you have a sore, you know, just get this. Or if you 
have a cut, get this. If you're feeling sick, you know, just throw some echinacea in a pot and, you know, do this. All of those things are because the plants really do have healing qualities just as much as it is for you to eat your vegetables, drinking them are going to also give you all of those same essential vitamins and minerals and healing properties that you would get through consumption. So I think now uh, we are in a space where it's coming back. It really, it never left. It just kind of fell by the wayside. But I think now so many people are starting to recognize the importance of it and now being a lot more receptive to it, even for a lot of my clients in general, um, incorporating herbal teas back into their everyday lives. It was a process, you know, it it went from, well, no, I'm not a tea drinker. And I would just kind of compare it to them being a vegetable eater or a fruit eater or a water drinker. I'm like, well, you do get to decide what you consume, but all of those things are at a cost. And so if we now become more mindful of eating with purpose and drinking with purpose, it'll always bring you back to plant medicine one way or another, whether it's drinking a cup of tea or making a salve or making a liquid extract, you know, you find yourself looking for ways to heal yourself before tending to other areas that might be over the counter or from the doctor's office. Because again, there is space for both. But us just learning and recognizing how in control we are of just a lot of the small things that happen on a day to day, give us a lot more freedom in our bodies. Yes. Oh, yeah. And right before I hopped on our interview today, I did a, you know, a respiratory steam just because I was trying to get everything cleared out. And, you know, I had threw in sage and, you know, had a towel over my head mm-hmm. and it's those little things like that. You know, I, one of the things I had said at the doctor you know, I said, well, I'm doing my neti pot, um, you know, have my dehumidifier. I've been doing my steams and, you know, warm showers, lots of different teas. And she was like, and I, I've just been on an antibiotic at the beginning of the month. And so I was trying to, whatever I can to not go back on another one. Mm -hmm. And she goes, honestly, I would tell you to do the exact same things. You know, she's like, that is what you should do to keep avoiding having to go back on another antibiotic. And, you know, it's those little things that sometimes I think we poo poo or we're like, oh, it can't be that in quotations easy, like Mm -hmm. stuff that we have laying around the house, that stuff can actually get us better. But there are, you know, depending on again, what's going on with you, but like that, those are things that can heal the body. And I think, you know, having that wisdom and, you know, you having that apothecary and, you know, giving reasons why you want to take these teas or why you would want to do this, you know, I think those are things that you know, that wisdom that it's the people's wisdom, you know, it's stuff that we can just spread and, you know, you know, bring into our lives and everyone can try them. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's exactly it. And a lot of, um, a lot of the, especially over this past, um, year, I guess, or, you know, whatever I'll call it the pandemic season over this entire season of pandemic, um, there has been a lot more interest. I've had a lot more people that have reached out and I just saw a lot of different customers um, shopping than were shopping before. And I know a lot of that is attributed to the world shutting down. And, you know, sometimes we just, we move so fast. And uh, as I often say, you know, we suffer from busyness and, and most people are 
sick as a result of it because it means we're also too busy to tend to our own healthcare needs. And with everyone now just paying attention to what it really means to be healthy, that looks like something totally different than what it's felt like for the past 10 years of, you know, chasing weight loss fads or chasing diets, you know, fads and trends, you're now stepping back and saying, okay, if longevity is the goal, that looks like a different journey than simply wanting to lose 30 pounds Mm -hmm. or even just wanting to be more free of some medications that you may have felt you really didn't have the ability to, you know, just come out from under. And it's like, oh, okay. If, if we can create a, a space where our goal is like an exit strategy for this high blood pressure medication, let's see what we can do over the next 90 days to get as close as we can to not needing it. Even if that means we're reducing the dose, but now you have, you, there's a, a sense of empowerment in that you feel proud of yourself and that there were steps that you could take at home, in the kitchen, that are positively impacting your day-to-day life. Hmm. Okay. I would love to know, because I'm sure people listening are going to be like, okay, how can I connect with Marquita? Where can I work with her? Can you tell us um, where's the best place for them to connect with you? Yeah. So the one-stop shop would be my website, wellness W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S.com. And from the website, you will get pretty much everything that you need regarding one-on-one coaching programs, as well as my online tea shop. Um, You can also directly reach all of those areas through Instagram. That handle is L's underscore wellness. And the active link will take you to pretty much anywhere that you would need to go to get any of those questions answered or to shop around the shop. Perfect. All right. So I just have one final question. And when I have a guest on, I like to have you um, do this one. So um, I'm going to throw out a weekly challenge and I would love for you to take it over this week. What would you like that challenge to be? Um, well, I'll keep it simple and I'll keep it, uh, I'll keep it in line with what we've been talking about. And I'll say, let's do the one, two, three challenge. The one, two, the one, two, three challenge is one cup of fruit a day, two cups of vegetables a day, and three liters of water a day. One, two, three. If you can knock those three things out or get as close to them as you can on a day-to-day basis, you are going to absolutely feel better over time and you will reap the positive benefits of incorporating that one, two, three system into your everyday routine. I love that. I love the, I love the acronym, the one, two, three, easy. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. Um, It's been so fun getting to chat with you today, Marquita. Thank you so much for having me. I really uh, had a blast. It just, it just kind of felt like we were sitting around at a coffee house. So Mm. that's always a great, uh, a great type of energy to have, you know, when you're having these types of chats and conversations to just feel like you are catching up with an old friend. So it was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.